Hello, hello. Good afternoon. Good morning. Hello, everyone. How are you? Welcome back to D1 Podcast. My name is Fernando Carvajal. I'm your host. Thank you very much for, for, for listening. Thank you for keeping up with our previous four episodes. We encourage you to continue looking at our podcast on Anchor and our YouTube channel for upcoming episodes. Unfortunately, today, our co-host, my good friend Ali Mahmoud Inaden, won't be able to join us uh, because he's running around uh, chasing a, a few breaking stories in, in Yemen uh, this weekend, this coming week. So unfortunately, he won't be able to join us today, but uh, wish him success. And we look forward to hearing, reading his stories coming up. Uh, keep an eye on his Twitter account. Uh, as you know, he's very prolific on social media. Uh, today, this is kind of a impromptu kind of, you know, quickly put together episode because of the news on Yemen uh, this week coming from the U.S., uh, President Biden bombarding us with with excellent news to some to one side and not so good news to the other side. Uh, we are going to discuss a few a few issues today with an excellent panel, five guests, two different conversations. Well, it's this is going to be great. I'm really excited, and I want to thank all our guests for for replying to my to my text messages and phone calls and, and agreeing to join us today. Uh, today, Saturday, February 5th, we are dealing with a week full of uh, news from, from here, from the U.S., regarding Yemen. Uh, one of them is the U.N. Uh, monitoring team, uh, the U.N. panel on al-Qaeda and ISIS, uh, released a report where they highlight the arrest of uh, AQAP's uh, leader, uh, Khalid al-Batafi in, in Mahra. So this is something that we're going to keep an eye on for details. Uh, according to the to the monitoring team, the arrest took place in October of last year in Mahra. Uh, so this is uh, some interesting news that we're going to keep track of. Uh, today in particular, we called on this episode uh, because we have these news from the U.S. administration. Since January 25th, President Biden has been rolling out different aspects of, of, of a new uh, U.S. foreign policy approach, in particular to Yemen and the war in Yemen. So he, he's been moving fast and strong on the, on the Yemeni file. Some Yemenis are happy to hear the news. Other Yemenis are concerned uh, uh, about how fast he may be moving or, you know, how he's dealing with the moves by the previous administration. So what we have is on January 25th, uh, five days after being sworn in, uh, President Biden suspended the FTO listing of Ansar Allah and three Houthi leaders for 30 days. Uh, this was in response to pressure from the international community, from the humanitarian aid organizations, uh, in order to facilitate the, the response and, and commercial uh, activity into northern Yemen. Uh, as of yesterday, as of Friday, we heard from Congressman, from uh, Congressman Senator Chris Murphy, 
tweeted uh, at around 4.36 p.m. Pacific, Biden has just reversed Trump's decision to name Yemen's Houthi a terrorist organization. This designation has no practical effect on the Houthis. All it did was cut off practically all food to much of Yemen, a death sentence for millions. Another good move by Team Biden. So, you know, we'll discuss this uh, as well as a whole package, because this is definitely something that the that the new U.S. Special Envoy will have to deal with. We also had on 28 January 2021, uh, President Biden suspended weapon sales to the coalition, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, uh, at least for 30 days. I believe it was the, the freeze for sales. And this includes already uh, pre-approved uh, transactions or, or sales by the previous administration uh, before January 19. Uh, this uh, the the president gave a, a a speech from the State Department on Thursday on foreign policy, and he emphasized that the U.S. will continue to help Saudi Arabia defend itself, defend its defend its territory uh, against any attacks from any country. And so, this was definitely a good message for Saudi Arabia that the relationship continues, and the U.S. will not abandon them. Uh, but this also. We'll discuss it because this also affects the government of Yemen directly. The, the, the national army under uh, of President uh, Hadi, President Abdurrahman Mansur Hadi, uh, receives all of its military assistance from Saudi Arabia. So we're not just talking about what the Saudis would need to to for their military needs uh, to protect their 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 territory, but also how would this affect? the relationship with the, the government of Yemen and the military that's fighting, you, you know, in multiple fronts, Madhav, Al-Jalf, Hodeida, uh, and Sada, northern Sada. And lastly, on 4 February 2021, uh, President Biden uh, announced the appointment of a new U.S. special envoy to the Yemeni conflict, Mr. Tim Lendenking, who is a career uh, diplomat, a State Department, and Near East uh, Department. And this is something that I've myself have thought of and, and discussed with uh, uh, a lot of my Yemeni friends and a lot of diplomats over the years, really, not just since November when I wrote my piece and I gave a few interviews calling for, for something like this. But for a long time, I, 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 I believe that the U.S. needed a special envoy uh, to focus on, uh, on on the conflict, and a lot of people are happy uh, about this move. They are content with the choice with Tim Lindenkin, who's some an insider, has worked in the Obama administration, worked in the Trump administration, knows Biden very well. Biden knows him well, and a lot of Yemeni diplomats know him very well. So. We know that President Biden and Vice President Harris will come under tremendous pressure from progressives and anti-war members of Congress. Uh, they will publicly remind President Biden uh, of the Khashoggi murder uh, in the relationships with Saudi Arabia, and they will try to push Biden more and more in, in, into a more uh, into a tougher stance vis-a-vis -vis Saudi Arabia. But President Biden will have to walk a, a tight rope on this. Uh, as I've argued earlier, Biden will have a tough initial 100 days and can't afford any dissent among Democrats, uh, especially the Senate. Uh, we have Senator uh, Sanders, Senator Murphy, uh, Warren. So there's a lot of, on his plate on the domestic front, and he can't afford 
uh, missteps in foreign policy to 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 affect his domestic uh, policy approach. And we will get into further during our conversation uh, with our guests on on this. And this is why we invited a very diverse group uh, this morning or today to deal with this. One thing to to highlight here: uh, we are we were looking for a Houthi response to all of this. Uh, I've reached out to a couple of people in Sanaa. I reached out to a couple of people close to the Houthis uh, outside Yemen to invite them to come on and, and, and help us understand their perspective. Uh, but we haven't heard from any major uh, person. Uh, they just didn't reply. They said they would, but they, they said they would send somebody. But uh, as of now, they haven't. Uh, as of a few minutes early this morning, my time in the Pacific in the Pacific Coast, we had not heard anything much from, from major personalities uh, from Sanaa on social media or, or in the regular media. But this morning I saw a new interview uh, with Mohammed Ali al-Houthi uh, in Al-Mayadeen, where he you know, makes the statement that uh, Houthis are ready for the long war or they're ready to get back into the peace table. So that was interesting. Uh, we also reached out to people from uh, the Yemeni government, and uh, we reached out to a couple of people to ask them to come and, and explain, you know, give us the view from the from the government. But they just uh, pointed us to to the official statement from 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 Thursday, and uh, we wish we would have a government official, but. Uh, to, to, to give us more insight, uh, a fresher look. But we have uh, three excellent guests coming up later on that will help us understand the relationship between the Yemeni government today and the U.S. And today, without further ado, I want to move into our first conversation with uh, two excellent hosts. Uh, most of you will know will know my good friends, uh, Munir al-Maudi, independent journalist, analyst, based in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, he's excellent, has excellent insight. Uh, he's on social media. He, he's in every media outlet. Thank you very much for joining us, Munir. Thank you, good morning. And uh, Al-Hadar Suleiman, a uh, good friend. Uh, he is the current president of the Yafa Community Center, but more important for us, he is in New York. He is the representative for uh, the Foreign Office of the SDC. Good morning, Al-Hadar. How are you? Good morning to you and to Munir. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you to both for, for replying. Uh, as for, for our guests later on in, in, in our video version, um, I have behind me uh, uh, a cross posting because I really want to thank uh, my good friend Kip, who runs the Yemenist uh, podcast, and and this episode actually was his suggestion. You know, so I want to thank him for making making me busy during the weekend. He texted me right away on Thursday evening and said, "Fernando, this is a great topic. You need to jump on it. Let's see who you can invite and and get some good insight into this." So uh, I want to thank him for. For, for his suggestions. And uh, if, when you get a chance, uh, check out his uh, YouTube podcast, The, the Yemenist, okay? Uh, it's all about history and culture in Yemen. Now let's jump on our topic today, gentlemen. Munir, first reaction. What do you think of the appointment of the US envoy to the Yemeni conflict? I, I think this uh, reflects uh, 
that the U.S. is concerned about the situation in, in Yemen. And uh, I, I believe that uh, President uh, Biden uh, will be or will pay more attention to the situation in, uh, in Yemen and uh, will try to solve the problem peacefully. Uh, the envoy uh, is a great person. I know him personally, and uh, he is uh, well aware of the history and the politics of, of Yemen. He uh, was in charge, actually, uh, uh, for the Yemen desk in the State Department for many years. And so, uh, and he's not, by the way, he's not politician. He doesn't play uh, politics. He is a diplomat, correct? And But... Uh, uh, I realized that he, at the beginning, he was uh, with the war. He he wasn't against the war, but he did not want to the U.S. to continue supporting uh, a failed project. Uh, so I think he is a, a good uh, asset for uh, the U.S. and uh, he has better. Uh, a chance to to achieve something uh, comparing to the United Nations envoy because the United Nations envoy represent uh, conflicting powers, but uh, Tim is going to represent one single power, which is the United States, and uh, I think the United States will will play a major role in uh, stopping the war in, in Yemen. Thank you, thank, thank you, Munir. Uh, Hadar, what do you think? What is what is what was has been the initial response from the STC? Keeping in mind that Iraq has had a very you know um, sort of tenuous relationship with with the UN envoy himself since April 2011, the the office of the UN special envoy, because we've had Yemen has had three UN envoys uh, and. I've been. I was in Aden, two thousand eleven, on, and and I noticed how you know the UN envoy was not paying much attention to the southern issue, to Aden in particular, to Iraq in particular, and we know that uh, we had a, a, a Amir al Bay for for our Arab Spring episode, and he made a very excellent point where you know referring to the Arab Spring, he said this was Sanaa's Arab Spring, this was the Northerners, the the Northern Arab Spring, because. Hidak had been in protest for years before 2011. You, you know, there was a there was a, a protest square in Aden in Mansoura, you know, way before the protest uh, began in Sana'a in 2010. And when, when the UN appointed an envoy, you, you know, the, the envoy from Ben Omar to Martin tried to stay as far from, from Aden as possible, tried to deal with the, with the southern issue a separate. So I remember 2011, 2012, my, my Herak friends would always say, you know, what do we have to do to reach the, the UN envoy? So now there, there, there's a different player. I know the SDC has worked very hard to reach out to the US uh, over the years. How does the SDC, we, we, we saw the SDC published, uh, the SDC spokesperson in Aden published a statement and uh, it reads, the Southern Transition Council welcomes U.S. President Biden's decision to appoint Tim Lindenkirk King as envoy, as user envoy to Yemen. And the council looks forward to working with him and all efforts to bring about comprehensive peace in the South, Yemen and the region. How else can, can we see this, uh, Al-Hadar? 
So uh, as you uh, uh, put it, uh, yes, the um, the SEC uh, already came out with an official statement welcoming the uh, Biden uh, administration uh, uh, decision. Um, well, and uh, Tony Blinken and um, Timothy uh, Lender King, um, you know, he was the like, as you put it uh, very well, he was, you know, he's a career um, diplomat. Uh, he was the deputy, uh, deputy assistant uh, secretary of state in Iraq and Iran, uh, deputy chief of missions uh, at the U.S. embassy uh, in Riyadh. Um, he has, uh, if anyone knows the region or the area, he it would probably be him. Uh, he also is very aware of the complexity of the situation in Yemen. As uh, Munir uh, said, uh, he has been uh, in the Yemen desk office in the State Department uh, for you know, quite a few years now. Um, this is going to be a direct uh, contribution to the uh, to the negotiation peace process, which will, um, uh, you know, everyone is looking forward to it. You know, um, the uh, situation on the ground is dire. Um, there is um, a humanitarian crisis uh, at hand. Everyone is looking forward to an end to uh, this. Uh, this crisis, but at the same time, uh, we need all parties to um, who are who are going to be involved in this negotiation peace process to uh, to to play ball. Um, as far as uh, what you mentioned regarding the Herak always looking for a place on the table in the negotiation peace process or in any. Um, peace talks um, uh, through the auspices of the UN uh, and the Special Envoy. Um, yes, uh, the HEDAC has always been uh, looking for uh, you know proper representation of the Southern people, their aspirations, their demands. Um, these, these demands are not um, a, they're not a, 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 a result of the war. These demands have been there, as you put it, um, you know, for years, our our protests, our million person marches have been there. You know, many uh, many people have been looking for proper representation and and you know the end of marginalization really in uh, since ninety four, going on to two thousand seven. Many many uh, protests and whatnot, and these protests were 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 all you know um, faced with live ammunition. There was many attempts to kind of break the um, the this movement. And, you think, and now we're finally getting some, some, some light to a, a proper representation. Right, right. Heather, optics matter. You, you, you know, and, and the, the SDC president, Aydaruz uh, Azwedi, and other members uh, of the SDC have gone out of their way to highlight the relationship with Moscow over the last couple of years, for example, 2017 till, till now. Um, does this position uh, affect the potential relationship between the U.S. and the SDC? I mean, why? Let, let, let's be frank. Why have the SDC gone so much uh, out of their way to reach out to Russia, but we really haven't seen that much effort into DC over the last couple of years? For example, 2018, 2000, you know, 2019, 2020. Why? Why have we seen that 
gravitating the FCC gravitating so much toward Russia over the over the recent time recent years? Well, um, the FCC has been knocking on many doors. Um, this, uh, you know, the the fruitful meetings that happened um, uh, all of last week um, did not come, um, you know, out of um, uh, you know numerous attempts to Russia. Rather, um, there has been many. Um, attempts to uh, to you know engage with uh, you know with uh, with many officials uh, government officials in the US government officials uh, in many other uh, countries as well uh, we're going to knock on um, you know all doors um, Russia is a, a major player in the UN uh, Security Council from the permanent five members uh, they they have a big sway on the Security Council as well we need uh, you know as we said in the in the UN-led peace talks, we need a proper representation of the southern people, and the SDC uh, sure represents uh, the majority of the southern people and can actually, uh, you know, uh, uh, provide uh, or, or provide uh, uh, realistic solutions to the to the region to the Yemeni crisis uh, with with a just solution to the southern cause. Um, there's been also a you know with Russia, it's been uh, there's there's a relationship there from from the PDRY. Um, they met uh, last week with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, uh, Chairman of the International Affairs um, Committee, um, scholars, uh, you know, researchers. Um, you know, who's a qualitative and right. development. In the relationship between the SDC and, and, and the Russian Federation. Right. The uh, SDC delegation, about nine members, I believe it was, nine, nine members with, with President uh, Aydarouz. Uh, they met, you know, the foreign minister. They, they, they met uh, people from D the Duma and committees, but they didn't quite reach the prime minister's office, which was um, an interesting uh, development, uh, again, in optics-wise. Uh, Munir, um, to you, now, when we're the, in this topic uh, uh, of the P5 that, that, that Al-Hadar brought, brought up, you know, Biden's approach right now from the beginning, from January 20, complete contrast to the Trump administration, right? This is, this is no longer, you know, one of Biden's sons or nephews or what have you running around and, and meeting, you know, or contacting on WhatsApp you know, the different leaders of the world. He is back to the institutions. He's bringing it back to delegating through the institutions uh, transparency as much as possible. Uh, but also this brings new, new, new tension, right? Because uh, Biden, Biden's relationship, we have to understand, I, I pushed to understanding Biden's position today. Yes, way back from the Obama administration. You know, and in my article, right. I pointed out that Biden comes into the presidency with a completely different Saudi Arabia than when he was vice president. Uh, you, you, you know, different structure, different empowered, politically different and with a different track. Um, this message on on Thursday from the State Department, number one, who who do you think President Biden was addressing you know, primarily, uh, did, did, did he, was he really speaking to the U.S. voter, to, to, to us here in the U.S., or was he speaking to an audience in the region? And my second question, um, the relationship between the U.S. and the U.N. Security Council. You know, I, I'm one to say that this visit by SDC to Moscow 
was primarily to do with the UN Security Council. You know, what, what, are, what, what are your views? Uh, my view that uh, President Biden is uh, speaking to both sides, the voter here in the United States and also to the uh, concerned party overseas. Uh, and I, I believe that he is facing similar situation to the situation that President John Kennedy in, uh, back in 1962 faced. And in 1963, uh, the U.S. Uh, uh, recognized the government of Yemen, which was at that time against uh, the U.S. Uh, after a report that uh, President Kennedy received uh, from the State Department telling him that uh, in, in Yemen there are uh, actual powers in ground, uh, but they are against us and virtual government adopted by Saudi Arabia, but they are, they are with us. And they wanted him to keep recognizing uh, the virtual government, the Imamic government. And uh, he said, no, uh, the U.S. will not recognize any government that is not supported by its own people. So uh, John Kennedy recognized Yemen and the situation changed. Even in the Security Council after that, and also in the United Nations, they removed the Imam representative and brought Mohsen al-Aini uh, right after the U.S. recognized uh, the government in, in Yemen. Right now, we have uh, almost similar situation. We have uh, uh, different power and ground, uh, the Transitional Council in the South, and also the Houthi in the, in the North. And, uh, they are supported by the Yemeni people in the south and in the north, actually. And uh, we cannot blame them. We cannot blame the southern or two if they go to Moscow, because uh, we, we should blame the Washington, D.C. that uh, Lock the door. Uh, I mean, they... Uh, uh, till now, the United States did not accept to receive any any negotiator either from the south or from the north. They kept dealing with uh, joke government. I mean, it doesn't exist uh, in, in Yemen. Uh, you know the situation very well. And Adan, uh, the transitional council, well supported by uh, the people. The Houthi is in Sana'a. Uh, other power in, in the West, and also the Marib tribe in, in Marib in the East. Uh, so the, the U.S. should uh, deal with with the actual uh, government. Uh, otherwise, we're going to keep pushing the Houthi toward uh, Iran and pushing the transition council council right. toward others. Right. Well, th this th the question to you. Th this uh, this comes my question comes because uh of the UN panel report that we just saw last week you know was made public that it was very critical of the STC on various on the financial on the security on the political side and we know I highlighted uh recently that to a few journalists that you know the the UN panel had has two reports. One is confidential in July in the middle of the year, and another one is public in, in, in January. And I can tell that a lot, that there was a lot in the confidential report just from reading the flow of the public report. And 
do you think that anyone else maybe from being part of the the same well, right right i don't want to go there but yes <laughs> i was part of the panel for a couple of years uh that there was something in 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 the in, in the in the july in the midterm uh report that that was sort of hinted at in the public report and that people more people are worried about being uh sanctioned by the by the us uh by the un uh, security council do you hear any of that? Well, uh, I I think, and in my opinion, uh, the Hadi government is responsible for many many uh, wrongdoing, uh, and uh, even in the report uh, they included some of that. Uh, the Muslim Brotherhood dominate the Hadi government, and actually, it is the government of Muslim Brotherhood, the government of Ali Mohsen and. Uh, the rest of the the group, and uh, if, if we want to fight terrorism, we should not just use it as a card to put pressure on this side or that side. Uh, the U.S. should uh, put whoever uh, I mean uh, is a terrorist in in the list. Doesn't matter what uh, President Hadi or Ali Mohsen or Al Houthi or whoever. Uh, I, I believe if uh, of the situation continue, uh, many many uh, of the wrongdoing of the Hadi government and some of its members will be uh, accountable, and uh, they might uh, be in the list as well. Uh, Al Hadar, uh, a few things. You know the the reaction to 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 the panel report, but also. You know, as as had mentions, you know, it seems that over the past two or three years, D.C. Uh, has been one of those uh, capitals that's been, you know, more reluctant to interact with the SDC in public. Uh, I mean, we know that some of you have interacted with with, with the uh, ambassador to Yemen, with with other politicians, with with other diplomats, but not at the level, let's say, of the UAE or or or, or Russia in itself. Um, or England, for that for that matter, so the the UK for 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 that matter. Um, what what is your view on that? I mean, you're in New York. I know a handful of you have uh, uh, have tried to lobby uh, hard for 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 the SDC and DC. Um, what what is your view on this? So, uh, well, uh, in regards to the first topic, uh, the uh, panel of experts um, uh, report, it uh, you know it shed some light on uh, you know many wrongdoings, uh, as Munir uh, puts it, uh, by the uh, by the government, um, the central bank uh, of Yemen. Uh, you know, there's massive corruption. There's a big war economy uh, that uh, there you know is being milked. That uh, you know. For, for years, uh, uh, the you know it doesn't do much justice to um, you know uh, to uh, to other parties such as um, you know the STC. Um, you know it's all about the source uh, and who's who's kind of uh, you know dictating what's on that report. Uh, the STC is still trying to make uh, you know um, more uh, friends and more uh, uh, you know. Uh, uh, relationships with with these uh, you know groups and and whatnot in order to give them more um, crucial and 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 ev- you know with, with evidence or you know more facts on the ground. Uh, as uh, for the uh, for DC, uh, there has been you know the 
SDC has worked with Timothy, even uh, Lender King, uh, even uh, before. And uh, yes, the, the Washington over the past uh, administration used to um, allow the the Saudi uh, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia to uh, hold the uh, the the Yemen file basically in order to, um, uh, and, and for, you know, uh, there have been, uh, you know, for the, for the previous time, the, uh, legitimate government has been, um, a hindrance to any diplomacy for the SDC, uh, always labeling the, the SDCs as, um, ones that are illegally, um, or they're, they're basically out of the, uh, the legitimate umbrella, uh, although the SDC is the ones that uh, allowed for a any type of ground, any type of um, uh, you know uh, space, green zone for the uh, Hadi government. The SDC has worked um, you know uh, you know very hard to uh, to actually um, you know they even to the uh, the uh, liberation of the southern. Um, governments so um yes as for the um diplomacy it's uh, we're knocking on all doors um the the we're going to, we're looking forward to work with uh, mr Lendick, lender king um i think it's going to be um it, it's going to be a, a big contribution to the a in an all-inclusive negotiation peace process which is going to help us um give proper representation and and a realistic long-lasting or long-term peace President President Abdul, uh, President uh, Aydarus and um, the the delegation has already left Moscow. Uh, I believe you, you mentioned earlier uh, to me, and and they returned to the UAE. Do you know uh, if there is a plan for Aydarus to visit the U.S. or or, or to reach out directly to to the U.S. envoy now uh, early on? Of course, um, you know, there's a plan to reach out to the U.S. envoy, uh, to work closely with the U.S. envoy. We, we're going to be a positive role. And, uh, you know, regarding the um, any peace talks, uh, we are we are we are, you know, uh, callers for peace. We would like um, all, you know, um, options to 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 be handled uh, diplomatically as opposed to uh, through, uh, you know, uh, war and and. and and uh, diluting the humanitarian situation even even more, um, but on, you know in in the end uh, you know we need also enough international pressure even on the you know the Houthi militias as well. So um, you know you have Houthi laid landmines, you have um, child soldier recruitment, forced um, child marriage, gender based violations, uh, violence. Um, kidnappings, uh, attacking cities, you know, packed with civilians in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, the disappearance of journalists, and, you know, and, and, and even the latest attacks on, on the Aden uh, civilian airport. Um, these are, um, you know, all this, uh, you know, um, and, and, and they say that they have the divine authority to rule. Um, if this is not terrorism, then uh, we don't know what is. Uh, we, we, we stand strongly with our, uh, coalition partners. Uh, we need, uh, we need, you know, we prioritize these regional issues. Um, these are security issues that will affect. Right. 
we're losing you. Al Hadar, I don't know if it's my internet or if it's yours, if anybody the else. The entire region and not just in government. Oh, uh, Sorry, I lost you there in your last comment. If you want to yeah, so um, the 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 uh, we're, we're going to work, uh, um, you know, uh, closely. Uh, we're going to continue to work closely with the coalition. The coalition is keen on, um, you know, uh, fighting terrorism in the in the region. Uh, it's keen on, um, you know, uh, uh, stopping the Iranian-backed uh, Houthis that is causing instability to the region and to you know Yemen. Uh, both north and south. Right. To to that, Munir, a uh, quick comment from you. I know you have to run pretty soon, but um, there were rumors, uh, and now that Ustad Khaled is joining us uh, on the waiting room here, he can. We 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 talked about this earlier uh, last week. There were rumors that the the Biden team had been in contact with Houthis, you know, soon after the election in, in, in November, uh, and a lot of people have have asked you know if the the if the houthis were already in contact with biden and they already knew that biden was going to reach out and, and and start working differently than than the previous administration you know what happened what is this december 30th you know attack on on, on aden airport uh why would 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 the houthis uh you know attack the the, the government when they've been already over a month sort of in contact with, with the U.S. administration, with the new U.S. team. Yeah, I believe the, the talk with the Houthi is for humanitarian purposes. It's not for political, mainly. And the, uh, the stance of the U.S. Uh, toward the Houthi is still the same, did not change. Uh, and they know that uh, uh, the Houthi uh, is dangerous to the stability of the region and uh, uh, he's not that uh, uh, great uh, ruler to, to him, but he is also uh, uh, in ground. We have to deal with him uh, with way on or another. And uh, uh, the Houthis are very active uh, politically in Europe, and uh, uh, also the. Uh, I mean, the weakness of the Hadi government is uh, uh, giving them a chance to uh, play political role outside uh, Yemen also. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, Dr. Khal al-Yamani maybe was the last uh, uh, foreign minister in the Hadi government was the active one, after he left, I mean, there is no activity. We haven't seen any, maybe the Transitional Council in the U.S. Uh, more active than the U.S., the Hadi embassy in uh, in both Washington and New York. And Al-Houthi is more active than the Hadi government in, in Europe. Uh, however, the Hadi government is only foreign ministry. This is what they have. The, the, their role is in outside Yemen. And if they're not uh, uh, be the best in that uh, matter, uh, I mean, I I don't feel uh, uh, hopeful that uh, the situation will change. 
Right, right. I want to thank both of you, Munir and uh, Al-Hadar, for, for joining us today. And this this is a, a good way to to segment into our, our, our next group of guests. Uh, we already have Dr. Khalid, Lustad uh, Khalid al-Yamani, uh, waiting here with us. Or uh, as many of you know, he's a great friend uh, of our podcast. He's been with me from from the first episode. He's the first person I reached out to, and he's the first person that said he has to come on. I always appreciate uh, his insight. Um, uh, former minister uh, of foreign affairs uh, for Yemen under President Hadi, and also UN ambassador from from Yemen under President Hadi. Uh, Ustad Khalid, welcome. Uh, you you got to listen to a little bit of what Al Hadar was saying and a little bit of what Munir was saying. What what is your what is your take uh, on some of their comments? Primero, muchísimas gracias, Fernando. Muchísimas gracias por por invitarme y siempre voy a estar contento de estar con ustedes en en ese podcast. Let me first of all uh, just say hello and. Uh, and appreciate the presence of uh, Munir and Al-Khabar, uh, my brothers uh, from Yemen. And uh, also Dr. Kirby will be with us shortly. Uh, as we, we mentioned more than one time, the, 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 the claims of the South are legitimate, are, are in, the, in, the, in, the, in the center of our, 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 our struggle to regain statehood in Yemen. And uh, we consider uh, SEC as part of the legitimacy, and I keep repeating that. And uh, uh, only uh, SEC, as part of legitimacy, can achieve its goals and 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 the, and the desired uh, hopes of of people in the south. Uh, other than that, it will be a total total chaos. And no, no one is 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 asking to deviate from the from the central goal of the legitimacy to defeat the Houthis, uh, uh, the proxies of Iran in Yemen, and regain uh, the the Yemeni statehood. And all the claims in Yemen, everywhere, it will be discussed and thoroughly um, uh, agreed upon on how to address it the best way. And one of the uh, cement goes all the time in support of my people. And, and I'm from Aden. And, and, and I do believe that my people suffered a lot and they have legitimate claims. Thank you. Thank you, Stad. Uh, welcome, Dr. Abu Bakr. Uh, great friend of the podcast as well. How are you, Stad? How are you, Doctor? Hey. Good evening. In New York and around New York. Yes, and, and, and good evening to you in the region. And I'm very delighted to join you. Haven't heard much of what have been said, but uh, let us uh, uh, proceed anyhow. D Dr. Kirby, foreign, uh, former foreign minister as well of Yemen under uh, Ali Abdullah Saleh and in, during the transition uh, under President Hadi. Uh, great insight, and again, and again, he, he. I thank you for 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 coming here today because, uh, you know, you're the elder statesman here. You, uh, Munir, has to leave us now, um, but uh, we thank him for 
for his time today. But you, as the elder statesman here today, uh, Doctor, you know, you dealt with the UN envoy from day one uh, back in 2011. You've seen three UN envoys come and go. You know, the the the, the current one. Your relationship with with Martin Griffin today, and because of your relationship, because of the the your experience since 2011 with this structure. Uh, you, you, you know, imposed on Yemen. I really want to get your opinion on, on this new, on this new move, on this new equation, let's say, uh, where the U.S. is introducing um, a specific envoy to to deal with the current with the current crisis in Yemen. How did you receive this news? I know you tweeted this uh, yesterday, welcoming the the appointment and looking forward uh, to working with 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 the U.S. But what was your initial reaction to this? Is this positive? Uh, is this just another bureaucrat thrown into the mix? Well, uh, I think uh, my uh, good old friend, uh, Mr. Khalid Yamani, uh, shares a lot of uh, the way I think about things. Uh, in common, I think what uh, we look forward to is really to see a uh, an end to the conflict and to the struggle in Yemen. And to see that Yemen regains its stability, its government, its institutions, and nothing threatens its unity and its sovereignty. I think this is the objective of all Yemenis. Second point, I think, uh, regarding uh, the Biden, a new Biden administration, I think, sure, I think we were very impressed with the speed that uh, Mr. Biden has acted on the issue of Yemen, uh, really uh, fulfilling his uh, uh, promises during his uh, election campaign and always ad addressing the issue when the uh, uh, disaster situation we all uh, see in, our, in my country, Yemen. Uh, and I think the appointment of the U.S. Special Envoy has uh, three... Uh, I think uh, uh, issues uh, related to it. The first one, I think, the selection of the candidate himself. I know uh, Lyndon King uh, when he uh, when I was a, a foreign minister and he visited Sanaa. Uh, and I think if you look at his background, he is obviously very uh, aware of the complexity of the conflict in the region, having worked in many countries in, 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 in the Middle East, in the Arab world. Uh, and, and he's really a vintage uh, 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 politician and uh, 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 diplomat. And, and therefore, I'm sure he will look at the situation in Yemen in a different light from the previous uh, special envoys who have who signed this responsibility without really in-depth knowledge of the background of the conflicts in, in Yemen, uh, which date before 2011. Uh, what we see in Yemen now is really a, uh, an outcome of conflicts that might have started even before uh, 1962 re revolution. So it, I think it's important to have somebody dealing with the Yemen file who has this background. The second point, of course, is uh, uh, that uh, we hope uh, with uh, Mr. Uh, that he will uh, uh, 
really start really by uh, trying to address and understand the reasons for the failure of the pre previous UN envoys. Because I think there are many lessons to learn from their failures. Uh, and this will entail that he has to look really at why most of them worked very hard, really, but in the end, they have not achieved the objective of resolving the conflict in Yemen. Uh, is this because uh, of the Yemenis? And for sure, part of it is for the Yemenis. Uh, is it part of the UN Security Council inability to understand uh, uh, the real issues that rely only on the briefings of the special envoys? Uh, or uh, is it the trying to really sideline the proxy influence of regional and international powers in Yemen? So I think this is the second issue. The third one, I think, which is very important for us and how the special envoy will, will deal with is how he, he will define really ending the war in Yemen. Uh, ending the war, is it simply the war between that the coalition really now uh, carries uh, against the Yemen? Yemen with, and, and, and really, here I'm saying Yemen and not uh, in support of the legitimate government or against the Houthis. But there is a war that is applied really and has an impact on Yemen, north and south, Sunni and Shia, uh, Zaidi. Uh, and this is, uh, I think, what complicates the matter for Mr. Lindenberg, uh, Linder King when he starts his job. The issue of the war, of course, uh, must be based on an end to the conflict because ending the war may stop the bombardment of, of uh, the uh, coalition of Yemen. But this is not really the end of the war, because it may only turn it from a war between the coalition against Yemen into a, a war between the Yemenis themselves and a much widespread uh, civil war in, uh, within the Yemenis with the many militias that have been created now by, uh, uh, by many uh, uh, coalition countries and others. And now new players coming also into the conflict in Yemen. So I think uh, when we talk about the end of the war, we, we hope that the U.S. administration will understand that the Yemenis do not just want an end to the bombardment by the coalition. And this is basically what the coalition has been doing over the last six years without really achieving any military uh, uh, victory. Uh, but we want to see that this is the, the end of the war means the beginning of a comprehensive political solution for the conflict in Yemen that will regain to the Yemeni people their livelihood, their stability, and their country. Right, and this is this is one of the things, right, Doctor uh, Kirby, that unfortunately, you know, the media line over the past. Uh, over the past week, or basically since uh, President Biden took took office, the media line has been, you know, can Biden end the war in Yemen? I, I, I mean, very broad, very high expectations 
and, and many activists had jumped on, on on this line, and really, you know, the the suspension of the FT, the the suspension of uh, weapon sales to Saudi Arabia, and then now the announcement of, of the U.S. envoy, special envoy to Yemen, has been framed under this uh, illusion that you know these moves by the U.S. will lead to the end of the war, but we know that whether it it is a you know, peace agreement between Houthis and Saudi or a peace agreement between Houthis and GOY or, or, or you, you know, there is this underlying conflict at the local level that is brewing. And that, uh, as you said, if it's not, you, you know, dealt with comprehensively, you know, you'll have this internal the civil war continue no matter what peace there is between the major actors. Uh, and, and and as we know, you, you know, the, the the tensions between the SDC and the G, and GOI um, are growing by the day uh, since since the arrival of, of the new government. Um, and and uh, Ustad Khaled, um, if you can, if I can ask you to uh, uh, about this uh, before I introduce our new guest who <laughs> who just joined us. Uh, welcome, uh, Ustad Nabil. Uh. Uh, you know, it's totally two different issues. I mean, the intention to stop the war and really to stop the war, because it's there is so many ingredients and so many complications in this process. Uh, also, the 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 the, the auto mechanisms of 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 this, the civil wars. If you study every civil war from Latin America, Colombia is an example of protracted crisis that came up and down and all these international intentions to 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 stop it and uh, and and I'm, I'm afraid also what dr Kirby was saying might be uh, in fact something that the international community will be facing and the special envoy uh, of the administration will be facing that this war will 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 have a sort of dealing with its original uh, dimension and leaving this crisis as a protracted local war. And that can take us for another 10, 15 years, uh, devastating Yemen and killing people right. and, 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 and all the miseries that we know. Right, it's, but this is- It's right, very it, it, challenging, really. Right, and, and Ustad, this goes, to my, this goes to my point earlier about the announcement, um, about the announcement of the US envoy and, and the speech on Thursday by President Biden. Is this a message to the US people? Is this a message? to the region, to the players in the region, or is this a message to the people in Yemen? Because you and I have been talking about this since November, you, you, you know, on, on the sidelines. And we know that delegating to this envoy, and that was one of the topics that you and I discussed, that creating the, U, the, the office of the U.S. envoy would mean that the president would want to delegate to a specific individual a comprehensive conflict, a regional conflict, because this isn't just you know, this isn't just an envoy to Yemen. It's an envoy to the Yemeni conflict. The Yemeni conflict has a number of players outside of Yemen uh, that that the president has to deal with. And the appointment of this envoy comes days, I think it was two or three days after President Biden appointed the special envoy to Iran. So, you know, we, we see this dynamic uh, going on. And during President Biden's speech, uh, from the State Department, he highlighted again the continued relationship between the U.S. and, and Saudi Arabia and that the U.S. is committed to 
to defending, to helping Saudi Arabia defend its territory. So, you know, a lot of people are, are, are taking this as being the, the contrary to what he's doing in action. You know, he's saying one thing, but he's doing another. And people are saying, well, nothing's going to change because, again, it is about defending Saudi Arabia. And, you know, this means a number of things. And this is where I kind of want to bring in Ustad. Uh, Nabil, because uh, uh, Nabil Khoury, who, who who's a retired uh, diplomat, uh, he served in Sana'a, so he's very familiar with Dr. Kirby, Dr. Ustad uh, Khalid, um, another diplomat that, that, that's been very active uh, on the Yemeni file and, and knows all the players. You, you've you been in contact with the Houthis over the years. Uh, you know what's more or less where they're going and you know Saudi Arabia uh, very well. So, Ustad, what do you think? How do we react to this uh, appointment of, of, of a U.S. envoy? Is it positive? And is it a message to the people of, of Yemen that, that the U.S. is serious? Or is it a message to, to the players in the region? Ustad, you're still muted. You hear me now? There we go. There we go. Thank All you. Right. So thanks, and I apologize for the delay. I was busy till 10, and then I couldn't find the uh, the link. So I hope I uh, didn't miss all the gems and jewels that my colleagues there on the screen have already uh, contributed. And Dr. Kirby, my, my teacher, I learned from him uh, every mm -hmm. time. Yeah, as for Khaled, Khaled and I spar and fight all the time, but we come out on the same side <laughs> in the end. Um, so let me, uh, first of all, the I am optimistic for the first time uh, since this war started. I think the Biden administration is starting off with uh, determination, seriousness, uh, and the fact that they put Yemen uh, in the first foreign policy speech by the president is an important signal. Mm -hmm. The appointment of Tim Lenderking, who is a career uh, diplomat, again, the first week on the job, uh, that's a very good sign. Now, Tim has just started, so I'm sure he hasn't put his team together yet. And although there is a broad vision and a strategy here, there needs to be a detailed plan. What do I do on day one? Who do I talk to? What do I tell them? That stuff is being prepared now, I'm guessing, uh, from my contacts, from my talks to some of the people at state. I don't think the plan, a uh, specific plan, is quite ready yet. Uh, I'm hoping uh, they said that they would be calling and then taking some ideas uh, from me as well as from others. The point is that they are going to be listening to experts, to former diplomats, to people currently engaged. So there's going to be a learning uh, process. Uh, they're not going to come with a ready uh, plan that they are going to uh, impose. Now, <clears throat> although this is complex, and although we talk about, yes, you stop the Arab coalition from, from bombing, but then what happens inside? There are three levels to this problem. The international, the regional, 
and the uh, uh, national problem inside Yemen. The first two, the international and the regional, are easier on the U.S. to do than the third one. They are easier, but they are not less important. So they have to start at that level, which means they have to go to the uh, big powers, the permanent members of the National Security Council, sorry, the UN Security Council, and get everybody on the same page in terms of the determination to collaborate to end this war. That doesn't mean going back to resolution 2216 and, you know, the marja'iya and the three blah, blah, that I'm sorry, my friends in the, in the uh, uh, Hadi government always go back to. That's not the point. Forget that right now. They need to agree, perhaps a new resolution, but the, all the resolution needs to say is that we, the big powers, are no longer going to contribute to this war, which is the first act and the first thing that uh, Biden has done. He said, as far as we're concerned, we are no longer going to contribute to fueling this war. That means no engagement in offensive uh, capabilities or offensive operations, and no selling of weapons and expertise related to the war in Yemen. Now, if the U.S. is leading by example, as Biden likes to say, then it should be asking uh, Russia, certainly China, uh, uh, the European powers that have been contributing lots and lots of weapons and expertise should be asking all of them to do the same, pull back, stand back. No more weapons, no more uh, what, ammunition or anything else. And uh, let's all collaborate diplomatically on ending this war. That's the international level. That has to come first. Because if the U.S. starts acting in one direction and the other big powers are acting in the opposite direction, then we're not going to get anywhere. So they have to get them to read from the same page. Then they have to go down to the region. Now, I'm not saying, you know, you do this Wednesday and that one Thursday. Uh, you can send, I'm, I'm going to recommend to them that they have under the umbrella of the envoy and one uh, committee that they have several tracks and that they have several people dealing with those tracks. So then they can move with the same plan, but on three levels. On the regional level, the Arab coalition primarily has to be convinced that uh, you are not getting anything else, not a bullet, not a rifle, nothing, until this war stops. And important thing of Biden saying, by the way, we are still going to defend you, is important so that you don't raise their fears. And also it's an important message to Iran and anybody else who wishes to do harm or may wish to do harm to Saudi Arabia or the Emirates, don't do that because the U.S. will come to the defense of Saudi Arabia. It's a separate issue, but you have to calm their fears that they're not going to be left alone. But they have to stop their part of the war. Uh, and this uh, will be a, a, an opportunity for Iran to help, not necessarily in a very active way, but to help in the diplomacy necessary. First of all, there may be certain things we ask of the Iranians, 
certain guarantees, certain agreements that will calm down any fears in Saudi Arabia and, and the Emirates. It has to be an agreement on missiles, including the proliferation, so that if everybody agrees not to be shipping weapons to Yemen anymore or to the war on Yemen, Iran has to agree to do the same. It's true that the scales are different, but uh, you know whether you send one missile or a thousand missiles, you are contributing. So that has to be a message also at the regional level. Now, the national level is the most tricky and the most difficult for the U.S. or for any foreign power to engage in. You know, you you want to avoid. Uh, 2003 uh, paralyzed Obama because he didn't want to repeat the Iraq mistake. You don't want to go in there and destroy a country and then rebuild it from the outside. That's that's arrogance. In the end of the day, Yemen has been destroyed. The state has been destroyed. It is the Yemenis themselves that have to rebuild it. The U.S. and others have to provide the environment meaning that the outside world is helping, not hurting the, the cause, and good offices. I, I very much want to see U.S. diplomats actively engaged, not just on the first two levels, but on the national reconciliation level. It's not enough to sit on the sidelines and say, oh, we support uh, Martin Griffiths. That's not enough. You have to support him with your hands and feet. On the ground, you have to get in there. And by getting in there, again, I think the U.S. can contribute good offices, can contribute certain concepts, suggestions, can contribute mediation, but must not impose on the Yemenis and tell them what to do. Because the Yemenis have to live with one another. And any any plan that's going to be worth the paper it's written on has to be absorbed and truly accepted by the Yemeni participants. Otherwise, it's not going to last. Right. Thank you, Ustad. Uh, unfortunately, I think uh, Dr. Uh, Kirby has to run, but I want to get one last comment from him. But before I do that, uh, Dr. Kirby, if I may, you know, uh, uh, Nabil Khoury uh, brought up uh, a number of interesting points that I want to highlight before we we move on, and you know, one of the things I want to put put out there is there there is an account that is supposedly uh, of the Iranian uh, ambassador in Sanaa Irlu, the, and he tweeted, um, you know, where is he, Hassan Irlu? You know, I don't. It has some major people following it, so I I can't confirm if it's a a, a verified uh, account from the ambassador or not. But you know, the U.S. is the great devil, and we are not optimistic about what what they said. Certainly, the new government has a different policy toward Yemen than its predecessors. We should hope to the God and people of Yemen that they had historical resistance and stability and will continue until victory. You know, I'll, I'll be checking on this uh, account to see if it's. Uh, the real ambassador or not. But one of the things, you, you, you know, yes, Yemen is finally highlighted uh, on a major foreign policy speech, as you mentioned, Ustad Nabil. I always told, uh, you know, my Yemeni friends, you know, that the U.S. has a stack of priorities and unfortunately Yemen tends to be, you know, way at the bottom and, and it's not even accessible. Uh, I brought up, I've brought up this issue of Biden's dilemma. 
and again, domestically, uh, the, you, you, you know, the progressive caucus in Congress wants to push Biden to, and, and Harris to the left. They, they're the anti-war uh, members, you know, they want to push Biden to the left and, and, and distance himself from from the war in Yemen. But at the end of the day, you, you, you know, it doesn't help when the U.N. panel, uh, you know, details the weapons being, you, you know, smuggled into Yemeni territory and, you know, the finding uh, Iranian technology and missiles that are fired from Sana'a, from, uh, from Yemen to, to, to Saudi Arabia, uh, because at the end of the day, the U.S. Uh, strategically has to help its uh, ally on the region. And I, I think this is going to be a big problem for President Biden again, uh, because his domestic agenda is, is so crowded, and, and the progressives are going to be. No, no, no! It's uh, nobody's pushing him anywhere. The progressives have already influenced him on Yemen, and he put it first, center stage, in his Middle East policy, and he's staying there. He's not going to go away from that. Do you think you know how will he deal with Israel and Saudi that are that are pulling? Uh, but be, before we, you know, my point is Iran. You brought up Iran's ambitions to play a bigger role. You know, Iran wants to be part of that quad in in London. You know, Iran wants a seat at the table. Look, the the, the, the most important thing is: do the Houthis want it or not? Forget exactly. about this. You know, the big devil thing. Exactly. That's something the Iranians like to say, and uh, you know, supreme leader likes to say. That doesn't mean anything. Yes. At the end of the day, they'll sit down at the negotiating table. Yes. They have certain needs. But as far as Yemen is concerned, Iran does not dictate. It can help. Right. But it is the Houthis that have to decide and not do anything disruptive. Right. And then peace is possible. Dr. Curry? Yes. Well, uh, first of all, let me uh, commend uh, uh, my good uh, brother, uh, Nabil on him, the roadmap he has already drawn for uh, the special envoy. And I think this is uh, the right track really to approach a solution. I think what we have to understand, uh, uh, and I think this is part of the way uh, Nabil addresses the issue of the spoilers, because I think there are spoilers. I, I know that so far, uh, few have rejected the initiative that was made by President Biden. But th this doesn't mean that they are really sincere about it. Okay? But I, I think we should take them to the test. That is what's important. Uh, secondly, I think we have to realize that the Yemenis, if they have an honest broker and they have the guarantees for whatever solution they reach at the end of their negotiations, and, and that they reach a fair solution that's not imposed on them by external powers, uh, they will come to terms and find solutions for their problems. I am confident that the wisdom will prevail. I think the U.S. should look at the, and I think they are probably, they chose and gave Yemen the priority because they, they think it may be an opening way for resolving many of the conflicts in the region as part of confidence building. If achieved success in Yemen, they can move to other more complicated areas like Syria and others. Uh, I mean, this is, which, I mean, my uh, 
one of the reasons why I think Biden was wise enough in, in, in really dealing with the Yemeni issue, because if it is a success, it will open the door for America to play a major role really in resolving other conflicts in our region. The third point, I think, which is very important for us is uh, Yemenis now feel very concerned about the sovereignty of their country. And this is one of the areas that may complicate a solution being reached by the Yemenis, apart from the outside players on the, this issue. Uh, and, and this is where I think one would like to see that the American initiative addresses really the issues that are of concern to the Yemenis. Now, this might not be a, a first step in, 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 in the roadmap, but it must be at the end achievable for the Yemenis to feel that the uh, road that has been taken really addresses their hope of regaining their country. Thank you, Doctor. And I think that this is one of the points, right, where how this UN envoy is going to, you know, manage uh, the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Iran, who US are major. You mean the US envoy? The US envoy. Yes, yes, yes. The UN envoy. Where I'm sticking to 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 Biden's envoy. I call him Biden envoy. I think it is important that you mention the UN envoy. No, no, no. This is this is where I'm going. Yes, definitely. We we dealt with this. The UN envoy now may feel threatened by the exactly. envoy. Exactly. We saw that the office of the UN envoy tweeted. Uh, Very important, really, to yes. have, to draw a line between the roles of the two envoys for and sure. Make them together, rather against one another. Right. No, no, no. I, I, I was going to highlight the tweet by the office of the UN envoy, you know, yesterday welcoming the, the Biden's envoy uh, and looking forward to 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 working with him. And at the same time, the State Department tweeted, uh, made a tweet uh, uh, reaching out to the office of the UN envoy and looking forward to the cooperation. So I think that that I think that both parties have already, you know, reached out and and looked at this relationship. You know, I'm very critical. Ustad Khaled knows me since 2017. How critical I've been, and uh, even before that, it, it, it's it's about the office and the structure. Um, but in my article in November, soon after the election, I said that you know it the relationship between the the Biden's <clears throat> excuse me Biden's uh, envoy and the UN envoy is going to see uh, tension based on the unpredictability of the de of the mandate. Uh, you know, how far is this uh, envoy, Biden's envoy, going to be? You know, Stad Nabil described a structure that, that I myself like, you know, this committee that can multitask, that can, you know, you know everybody acknowledges that, that the conflict in Yemen is complex, is multidimensional. And, and I think that, yes, you know, the U.S. envoy, having a committee that can do two, three, four things at the same time. It is also very different to the way that the UN envoy, the Martin Griffin works, very centralized, very, you, you, you know, structured, you know, it's either him or the deputy that do everything, even though there's like 60 people working for him in, in, in a month. So from the beginning, the approach is very different when a state puts out an envoy like this versus a bureaucracy like the UN. And, and, and so, you know, my, my concerns from the beginning is Mr. Khaled and I have described how, have discussed how, you know, this U.S., this Biden's envoy will allow the U.S. 
to speak to Iran, you know, behind the scenes or even in public. You know, whereas the U.S. ambassador to to Yemen has shied away from, and we've not seen that. Uh, but we're back to let's keep in mind. I like to remind people, you know, of uh, Secretary Kerry during the the nuclear uh, negotiations. So very different again to 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 the previous U.S. administration's approach. Um, what I want to ask, Ustad uh, Khaled. Yes. Yes. Because I have to no problem, it. Doctor. I, I really appreciate you. I say how glad I am to see my old comrade uh, Khalid Al Yamani. Uh, how delighted oh, I am in the Bil Khuri, whom we shared a lot of many years of uh, Yemen's problems when he was in Sana'a, uh, and uh, always learned from his wisdom and his sincerity about caring about Yemen. And, and you, and to you, of course. No, doctor, I, I really appreciate your time. Really appreciate your time and how quick you you respond to to my request for to come on board. I knew I knew I, I didn't have to do much when I mentioned the names, doctor. Thank you very much, and I really appreciate it. Have a good evening. Thank you. And, and uh, you know, the in two thousand back in two thousand and ten, doctor Ustad Khalid. When we were in Sana'a, when I was in Sana'a and I had an appointment with Dr. Kudwe, you're the one that welcomed me in the foreign ministry, took me to his office. So, you know, the, uh, this is what I like, the, the connection between my guests uh, and, and the issues. But back, uh, uh, Ustad Khalid, to what uh, Ustad Nabil has mentioned, um, the Europeans, you, 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 you know, Stad Nabil brought up the, that, that, that this Biden's uh, envoy must work with the allies. And I've, you know, I've highlighted that. How does the, the, the U.S. deal with this conflict? Uh, it's particularly with the weapons. You know, we have uh, we, 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 we have some uh, approaches where, you know, Biden uh, suspends weapon sales. Uh, along with Germany, Norway, Belgium, and Italy, but then other European allies uh, are continue to will continue to sell weapons. And then at the end, we know that Russia can always sell weapons as well. We 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 saw the the military, you know, attaches visiting uh, UAE and Saudi last year, uh, which you know not only just missile defense systems, but offensive weapons as well are available. So, you know, how does the U.S., as uh, Ustad Nabil mentioned, how does the U.S., this particular envoy, Biden, which we know already has a tense relationship with Putin, uh, how is the U.S. going to manage this, uh, these relationships, you know, at, at the top uh, from, with, with, the great, with the P5? Uh, let me first of all uh, tell you that uh, on this... Uh, arms and arms deals, and we will always have problems. People will continue doing If you read the, the, the report of the panel of experts, you realize that Germany countries, as far as Sweden and other countries, is still uh, sending components of the drone components and selling them to the, in the open market and ended up with Iran and ended up in Sana'a. And and uh, uh, being in 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 the in the in the use of drones attacking uh, neighboring countries and attacking the Yemeni people. Um, the second issue I want to comment before going to the to the basics uh, of our discussion. I don't see any controversy. I don't see any any contradiction between the the U.S. envoy and the U.N. envoy. Uh, 
I think they are complementing each other. And uh, the, and I was talking to Martin, and he was very happy because as we discussed with Nabil before and with you, uh, with your good self, that really we needed a special envoy to. And, and we, I, I I was really uh, uh, thinking that Nabil will be in that in 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 in, in, in somehow serving to help uh, in the office of the the special envoy in the United States. Um, I don't see because the special envoy here in the United States will unite all the efforts of the administration, will strengthen the the the, the our the, the U.S. external communication with the allies, especially Europe. It's very important. It was totally ignored during the last administration, and also also internally, we have a lot of components: the security, the military the war on terrorism and all this stuff. We need also to coordinate all these efforts. I think it's very important. And also we need to uh, underline the nomination of Robert, uh, the, the appointment of Robert Mali. Robert Mali will be dealing with part of that, uh, I mean, equation, which is the, the, the Iranian side of it. So this will, will bring the administration with, with a very, I mean, um, globalistic approach to the Yemeni conflict. But um, I, as I, I keep repeating, I don't know if uh, Nabil was listening to what I said. I'm afraid if you deal with the international, regional, and leave the local, you are turning that into a local war that can uh, perpetuate for 12, 15 years. Like Somalia, we have an example in front of us. Sure. I think Linder King appointment is very important. And, and President Biden is, I mean, I, I need to admit really, and this is what I, I told you, and I was uh, very strong in my last piece in the Atlantic Council, I said it would not be within the priorities of the 100 days. But I realized that really, uh, I mean, uh, President Biden was reacting uh, sincerely to his, to his promises to the, to the, to the, to the Arabs and the Yemeni community and 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 and, and other influences in Congress to stop the war. But you I, and, I you and I went you and I went back and forth in November, yes, so the week yes. after the election about this, right? And I yes. told you I was. Yes, no, it I, will be, it will be, um, I was very cautious and um, I was not that optimistic. But really, he 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 proved to be, I mean, a friend of Yemen, a friend of humanity. And this is what I mentioned in the beginning, that it will be returning the, to the core American foreign policy, especially human right. rights, peace, freedom, justice, which right. really, I mean, was, was totally overlooked by the previous administration. Right. And um, the United States, very important issue also. The United States, in the mandate given by President Biden to the new, to the new envoy, stated that there will be no carry initiative it was strengthening the, the UN uh, process, which means working with the special involved, working with the P5, as Nabil mentioned, working with the P5 is very important element of the entire component. If you want to reach peace and, 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 and stability in Yemen, you need to take on board China, Russia, and all the other components of the P3, uh, <laughs> France, UK, and United States. Those are the very important elements 
uh, Iran and Russia, I mean, uh, China and Russia still has some, some leverage over, over Iran and, 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 the, and, and the contacts of the administration with Iran, not from now, from the transition period, uh, it's well known, the contacts with the Houthi are well known, and, and, and see that this administration is really hitting the road and, and listening a lot. In the first day, uh, Linda King com- contacted the special envoy, ministers in the region, and, and, and Rob is working also hard with, with, the, with, the, with the Iranians. We need to bring all these components together and take into consideration that Yemen is enough of that war. It's, it's enough of that uh, Yemen uh, human carnage. And it's very important to us that in, 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 in his speech, also the president, in his mandate, send the, 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 all the necessary accommodation to the Saudis that they will be on board of, of any solution and settlement of this crisis and all their interests will be, will be taken care of. And I think this is very important, very important message from 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 the president and 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 I think the special envoy, the the ambassador Linda King will be working. I know it's not an easy roadmap. I know that it's not 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 nothing easy. The road is full of 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 of, of obstacles and difficulties, and and also I, I as I mentioned at the beginning, the auto mechanisms of civil wars. I mean the internal life of civil wars and the warlords will be repelling any idea of, of reaching peace right. because they will lose a lot of interest. All those warlords are, are controlling areas and leaving from the, 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 from the suffering of the people. Uh, they, will, they will fight back. Right. Ustad, I know I've been a critic of the UN Special Envoys Office since June 2011, basically, you, you, you know, and and you know me. Uh, we worked uh, when I was at the UN panel in 2017. You were the ambassador to the UN, and then later on, you were foreign uh, minister. But you know, I've been advocating for this merely because of that cycle of failure. You you you, you know, this is the definition of insanity, isn't it? Doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. We've had three UN envoys that have tried to do the same thing and failed and failed and failed. And I've been saying we need to inject a new element to 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 this equation in order to you know rattle it up a little bit and and especially in the last six years of this war. And in April of this year, April 2021 would be the 10-year anniversary of an appointment of a UN envoy to 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 Yemen. Uh, Ustad Nabil, uh, I really wanted you to to join us today, you know, because of your experience within the U.S. government, your experience as a diplomat in Yemen. You 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 know how complex this is. You know how complicated it is in in, in the region. But uh, we'd like our audience to hear from you uh, as an insider in the U.S. from the U.S. side. You know what can we really expect? You you brought up a good plan. You you, you know on paper it, it's close to the ideal. Right, that 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 could happen, but we know that bureaucracies work a certain way. We know politics develop in a certain way, and we know international relations will 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 you know shift uh, things here and out. Uh, people like our, our good friend Abdul Ghani Lediani commented on Twitter uh, yesterday that that he that that he had heard of some members of, of Tim or the uh, Biden's envoy 
you know, some names that, that, that he was optimistic, that he was happy about some of the names that he was hearing that would be in, in the Envoy's office. Um, you mentioned that the team is not particularly, you know, uh, developed uh, at the moment. Uh, but what do you expect? Uh, you, you, you know, what, what is realistically a timeline, let's say? You, 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 you know, can we expect the Envoy to get to work within the next couple of weeks? Can we expect, who do you think his first visit should be to? For one, I'm going to, you, you, you know, do the lead here. I tweeted, I, I've written about this. I said that his first meeting should be with the Quad and then Iran. You, you, you know, with the Quad, uh, UAE, Saudi, the UK, you know, in London, and then Iran. And because I, uh, of the Yemeni actors, I hope, I pray, that his first meeting is not with Martin Griffin. <laughs> you know, the optics of this is just going to create a huge negative campaign, negative backlash. If uh, Tim's first major meeting outside the U.S. is with Martin Griffin in Amman or in Geneva or what have you, uh, the optics for me in the Yemen context are vital. What do you think? No, but I mean, I I agree, although uh, I'm not concerned so much with optics as to uh, with what the real plan is. Once you have a solid plan, you can meet first with whoever you want to meet with. There's no harm in coordinating with Martin Griffiths, certainly. The problem, and I agree with you, I mean, there are a lot of things that uh, were not done right by the UN Special Envoy. Uh, but to be fair to him, much of the problem or the essence of the problem was that he did not have the solid backing of the U.S. or of any great power. And so he was flailing about without, I mean, he himself does not have any power. He does not have a carrot and a stick. I apologize to interrupt, but I, I want to remind everybody of the tension between the UN envoy, Jamal, Omar, Jamal Omar in 2011 and the, G10, the G10, right? The group of 10 back in, two, in 2011, where, you know, Ben Omar, ben Omar would meet with some actor today in the morning and then at noon, you know, the European Union or, or somebody else would meet with that same actor and then in the afternoon another. And then by the, by the next morning, there was a whole new deal that Ben Omar would come back and say, but we talked yesterday morning and we made a deal. So why did you change? And it was this constantly visits of different envoys to the same actor, whether it was Islah or, 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 right. or, or Salah. It's right. the same thing with Martin. Uh, right. I mean, and even at the time with Jamal, I mean, we, we've had, uh, you know, Jamal Ben Omar was an activist. He was a very strong envoy. But uh, there were these disagreements uh, with the G10, uh, and even between him and the U.S. ambassador, frankly, they kind of trampled uh, over uh, one another, and it was not a very well-coordinated effort. And then you had the next one after that was a, a bit too passive, in my opinion. And now we have uh, Martin. So there is a need, like I said at the beginning, uh, for everybody to be reading from the same page. And that page has to be clear. So if, if I were, if it were up to me, I would <clears throat> recommend that Tim spend at least the next two or three weeks right here in Washington, putting together a, a, a good team, 
uh, full of expertise on different parts and different aspects of this uh, problem, and then hammering out a detailed strategy. Then he would go to the National Security Council, uh, along with, of course, his boss, who would be, uh, well, you need the Assistant Secretary of State for the Middle East at that uh, meeting. And then this strategy would be presented, discussed, thrashed out. Uh, that could be done at the, uh, at the level of the policy committee uh, or going up to the principles committee. So there's a process there. But in the end, once, you know, there aren't any strong objections and everybody has had his two cents uh, worth taken in, then this plan uh, would have the endorsement and the strong backing of the Secretary of State and the President. Once you have that, you're on solid ground. That's so one, one, of the questions, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, Ustad, uh, uh, Nabil, is this envoy. How, how do you see the relationship between the envoy and the president? You know, the, the, the Oval Office or, or even Vice President Harris. I mean, do you think that this envoy would have access to the Oval Office? Or do you think that this envoy would still have to go through the, the State Department uh, hierarchy? So this all depends on personalities. The envoy is the personal envoy of the president. So in principle, there should be a direct communication between the envoy and the president. Now, realities being what they are, and the president having so many issues and files, uh, and plus you you are sitting, even though you're the, the president's envoy, you are sitting at the State Department which means you have the assistant secretary for the NEA region. You have to be on, on solid terms with that person. And then you have to have the blessing of the secretary of state. Now, uh, the reality is that, I mean, who goes to uh, the NSC meetings? Uh, usually it's the assistant secretary for NEA. So uh, as long as you're, and you're, you're sitting practically in the same suite, with the uh, assistant secretary. You coordinate in person every day. And when you go to the NSC, you go with the same message. Once the NSC approves and backs you, then you go to the president. Tim Lender King doesn't need to be on the phone with Biden uh, every day. That's not realistic. But uh, once the uh, Biden needs to know that his envoy has the support of his colleagues and the appropriate levels. Once he has that, the plan goes to the president. Mr. President, the National Security Council has approved, endorsed this plan. So he says, go. And if you need anything, let me know. At that point, Tim becomes uh, an independent agent three quarters of the time. But reporting back, wherever he is, to the uh, assistant secretary for the Middle East and through that person to the president. If the president right. wishes to be directly involved, they can always pick up the phone. Right, right. And this is this is going to be interesting to see, you, you, you know, the next hundred days of, of the work of the envoy to see, you know, who, who, who facilitates his work who he's running into as, as obstacles along the way in the bureaucracy. And for me, you know, the, uh, 
I'm looking at uh, Vice President Harris. You know, a lot of there's a lot of expectations on the vice president on on what role she will take. Is she going to stick to domestic policy or she's going to be able to engage in foreign policy? So I'm also looking at her. You know, it's not just vice pre- the, the president, you, you, you know, but in, in addition, in addition, I'm looking at the Congress. You, 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 you know, for me, I know you, 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 you said you, you made a comment of, uh, uh, about the the progressive caucus and 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 the the people, the anti-war things. But you know, I'll uh, I'll 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 insist here a little bit that I see a handful of members of Congress that want to be very active in foreign policy. And and, and and you know, I've wrote uh, back in November that you know some of these people are going to push president on the Khashoggi uh, investigation, for example. You know how that would go, how that would play inside behind the scenes and affect the relationship with Saudi. You, you, you know, it's, it's, it's very a separate important. Track, a separate track, and Tim will not have anything to do with that right. one. Chris right. Murphy in Congress will probably very be very active on that front. Right, right. And, but Chris Murphy will also be backing the special envoy, right, right. And backing an end to the war in Yemen. Right, right. Ustad Khaled, we see today. Yeah, yeah. Let me just tell you a few things before. I don't, I don't think that uh, this administration will start and uh, kicking off the, the game with, 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 with just launching old issues from the, from the Trump administration. This will poison the, the, oh, wow. the mm-hmm. and would not be I mean conducive to 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 the to the idea of uh, President Biden to end the war in Yemen. Uh, I, I don't know. I think you should agree also on the the limitations and and pros and cons with with the UN uh, envoy and the uh, US envoy. The UN envoy is a mere facilitator, and you know the UN system. He can do any step, and, and he cannot be so creative, but under the leadership of the P5, so under council, the Security Council. Is he just, he just a, a, a guy that will take mandate and try to implement that mandate, and he will come back to the council and say, okay, I failed. Then the council will ask him for fresh appro- uh, approach, then he will come back uh, with, with fresh ideas. And now the council pushed hard for the last eight months for the joint declaration. It's a very good starting kicking point for, for, for with, 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 with the UN to, to work. I think that it's also the American uh, envoy will also focus on that. Uh, I, I was talking to Martin. We can clean the text. The text is full of, of issues. We can just go to the final stage of, right. of, 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 of political settlement. Right. This, is, this is very important. The joint declaration has every element. It's a result of six, six years of, of UN uh, efforts in Yemen. And, and also, also it's uh, the efforts that went through, uh, through Geneva, through Kuwait, through Stockholm. Well, and can... we are wrapping up this in one document, very short. We can make it slimmer than, than it is now, just to push... Yeah, that. but can Saudi can Saudi and the Emirates jump on this? I mean, you you, you know, there's the truth that 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 we've discussed. I've discussed with other uh, other Yemeni uh, officials, and that's the Saudi and uh, Emirati buy-in into the the joint declaration. It's not just the Houthis and GOY; it's the Saudis and the Emiratis. Yeah, but I think now it requires this leadership that uh, okay. 
uh, Nabil was mentioning, the U.S. leadership is very important in the Security Council. The, what happened during the last administration, it was totally ignored. The, the U.S. Was, was practicing foreign policy as a one-man show foreign policy. And we know today we have a president and we have an structure that push hard for the, the, for the multilateralism, push hard for this administration to work with allies in, in Europe and elsewhere, push hard for the UN Security Council to work. And usually the Yemeni crisis, and you know it in the UN, it was really having a united approach in the Security Council. Although it, there, were, there were no agreement all the time, but they never disagree on the need to stop the war. They never right. disagree on the need to reach a durable peace in Yemen. There is right. no, no disagreement on that. Russia, China, France, UK, right. and United States. Very yeah. important that we have this, I mean, united right. approach. But it requires the leadership. And yeah. the leadership was absent in, right. in the past. And now right. the leadership will come back, as President Biden said, America is back. Right, but this let's not. Very strong message. Let's not let's not forget that the UN Security Council came close a couple of times over the last three years to not renewing that resolution on the UN panel and the and, and, and the sanctions. You know, a couple of times Russia stepped in and 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 there was tension between the UK and Russia with the language. You know, trying to change the the, the language, try, trying to change the mandate. And there, there was pushback from 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 Russia. In, in closing, I want to ask a couple of things. One one uh, one of you, Ustad Khaled, and one for Ustad Nabil. Before 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 going to the conclusion. Yep. Also also the the, the U.S. I was talking about the limitations of the U.N. envoy. Also, uh, the U.S. Uh, envoy has his own limitations, as Nabil just uh, explained. He is part of of the State Department. He was appointed by Secretary uh, Blinken. Uh, contrary to to Rob, that it was appointed as as, as a president uh, presidential envoy for for Iran. I mean, there is a different approach. That one is coming from the uh, uh, the national security from the White House in the past, with 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 certain experience, and this one is coming from the the State Department. And the State Department now is really recharging. And is taking uh, full control of the of the U.S. foreign policy, and this will be another. Other. But the most important element of everything, I think, the new Iran uh, uh, rapprochement of this administration, and this is very important ingredient to the to the to the right, uh, right. A lot of a lot of people a lot of people reacted to to the FTO suspension and everything as giving too much of the leverage to to the Houthis and. And Iran, but I see it. I I I didn't want them to to suspend the FTO, but I did want Biden to reward it. You know, to the amend the language, amend the mandate of it. But unfortunately, yes, it was revoked. We have to see. You know, the uh, Abdul Malik Al Houthi, uh, Abdul uh, Halik Al Houthi, and Abu Ali are sanctioned anyways by the U.S. Not as terrorists, but they have financial uh, sanctions since since 2015 but um but you know unfortunately we're also neglecting the impact of the envoy on the on the humanitarian uh, track but you know this would be another 2 hour conversation in itself 
Ustad Khalid. Today we see uh, Minister Dr. Ahmed bin Mubarak in Aden welcoming the, the European Union delegation. Um, you know, going back to what Ustad Nabil has mentioned about the relationship with, with, with the European allies in the U.S., how do you see this visit uh, just a couple of days after the U.S. envoy was, was announced? I see it as one of our old plans to revive Aden and use Aden as, as, I mean, turn Aden into the real capital of the Republic. And from that capital, we can regain statehood, not staying anywhere else. Staying in our country, on the ground, fighting with our people, fighting to, 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 to recover our statehood and working with the international community that will come to Aden. So this they is more about... They will open their embassies, they will come right. to you, they will work with you. And I think this is very uh, appreciated uh, by, by the, this, this move of the uh, EU is very uh, highly welcomed. And it's really in, in, the, in the real moment that we need to send the right signal that the government in Aden to work for the people of Yemen and, and STC should understand the signal. Uh, Houthis should understand that there is no way for them to keep to, to continue kidnapping the state in Yemen. Right. They should go and be part of the of the fabric of the new Yemen that we all working for. Right. This is this is then a big message from from the government, from the coalition government, right? The, of stability in Aden, of continuity of Aden from the 30 December attack and from the tensions between the STC and 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 the um, and and the government. Ustad Nabil, I'll, I'll give you the 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 closing lines, the closing comments. You know, because uh, after all, this this episode was was to focus on, on on the U.S. approach to the war. You know, again, the headlines since 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 the, throughout this week have been the U.S. president moves toward ending the war in Yemen. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, people are grabbing onto that headline. But as we hear from Ustad Khaled and Dr. Kirby, the 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 war is far from over, unfortunately, and, and you, you know that lingering. You know, low intensity conflict that lingers at the uh, underneath the the, the war um, is a real threat for the for the coming years. But I I actually agree with the lead. Uh, you have to be aware from the beginning what the end goal is. We cannot start by saying, "Oh, it's too complicated. It's going to take years." Then why are we bothering? You have to start with the war will end. Biden is working towards ending that war. Then you go into all the complexities, but don't lead with the complexities. I think people have to, to feel inspired that there is moral leadership, there is hands-on leadership, and that there is hope. There's going to be a strategy, and you're going to work all the various elements of this. I think the, the idea of the, the domestic that... Once you remove the hands from outside that are fueling the war and you cut off the supply, after all, the factions inside Yemen are receiving assistance from outside. And by that assistance, they're also receiving sometimes the motivation to fight. A lot of the people interpreted the Riyadh agreement <clears throat> as really uh, a step towards uh, separation and uh, not a step towards peace. I agree with Khalid. I think the government being on the ground in Aden is a good thing. 
but you have to uh, uh, emphasize that this is a step towards general peace in Yemen. At the end of the day, there's going to be a formula. It may not be exactly the joint declaration. There were a lot of excellent things in the joint declaration, but they failed to agree on on a sharing of power and on the regions. You have to think each faction in, in Yemen has certain needs. doesn't matter what they say they want. The Houthis may say they want all of Yemen, but they're not going to get all of Yemen, and they know they're not going to get it. But they do have certain needs. How can we give them these needs? Right. On that basis, I think between the STC and the Hadi government and the Houthis, there, there is a formula that can work out to everybody's benefit. And that's what we need to focus on. Right, right, right. Well, in, in, in the end, any result of this negotiation, any outcome out of these efforts will be much better than perpetuating this war. This right. is a very important signal, and this is a very important message we send Absolutely. to everyone. Whatever result we will have, whatever approach we will get, whatever outcome we'll get, which will be much better than having this war perpetuated for 15, 20 years. Absolutely. 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 And I really thank both of you for your time. I, I know it was a tight call on Thursday for you to, to join me here on Saturday morning, your time. And I really appreciate it. Ustad Khaled, Ustad uh, Nabil, you have a book. Uh, do you have it one handy to show the cover? Because I forgot the, the title of your book. Uh, you want to? Uh, so, Diplomacy. Uh, we definitely, Bunker Diplomacy by Nabil Khuri. Definitely uh, take a read on it and 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 and, and let us know uh, what you your opinion on this book and he, you you do have some stuff a lot of stuff there uh, about your experience in Yemen as well. So we're, there it's, are it's two good... chapters on Yemen, uh, and then I detail other work I've done in Egypt, Morocco, and in Baghdad in two thousand and three, right. just before going to uh, Yemen. Absolutely. Uh, it is available uh, on Amazon Books. Excellent. Thank you very much. Ustar Khaled, the friend, the, the main man. Muchísimas gracias. Mi casa es su casa. Literally. Muchísimas gracias a ustedes y a Nabil. Es realmente muy importante lo que estamos haciendo. It's really important to do to, to do these kind of things. And, and, and again, you know, Ustad Nabil is the only non-Yemeni other than me to come to the to to our podcast over the last seven episodes and and, and you know I was you know when when this issue happened uh, I wouldn't have thought of anybody else but Mr. Nabil uh, to come and, and and join us and I think Nabil was offered citizenship exactly I, I, I am a Yemeni at heart I know that absolutely absolutely and, and uh, really appreciate it really appreciate you responding to to my invitation so quickly giving us your time on, on the weekend. And uh, thank you very much, everyone. This should be out this evening, Saturday the 5th, uh, on audio, and then we'll do Saturday the 6th of February, sorry. Uh, and then we'll do the, the video pretty soon next week. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Really appreciate it. Talk soon. All right. Ciao. Have a good weekend. Have a good weekend. Maaslama. Thank you, everyone. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.